Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I was maybe six feet above my body, looking back at myself, but the me that was floating felt like the real me. And I looked back at myself and I saw my body laying there and it was like looking at a photograph. And welcome to this week's edition of Cash in the Creepies. Today, I welcome Graham Nichols, expert on out-of-body experiences, author, and board member at the Rhine Research Center. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being on my podcast. Great to be here. I'm like really fascinated with out-of-body experiences. Well, let me, this is something I ask every guest. Do you believe in the supernatural? I tend to see it as the natural, I guess. I tend to see it as an extension of the natural, if you like. So I I wouldn't necessarily call it supernatural, but yeah, that works too. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> what would you call it? Just like it's the natural part of things that we can't see. Yeah, I just think it's that we haven't fully understood everything that's possible in the world yet. That's kind of how I tend to look at it. Like our brains can't comprehend it? No, I just think sort of scientifically, I guess we call things supernatural until we scientifically understand it. And then we just call it the natural, because I I guess if you go back in history, we used to call anything that was sort of unusual. We used to call getting ill supernatural, didn't we? Because we people used to say it was like a spirit taking over your body or something. And that's what being sick was or something like that. So 
I guess how I tend to look at it now is that um, as we start to understand all those things, it just becomes a part of our understanding of the world. And I guess we have different opinions on how the world works from religion to science to parapsychology and all those kinds of things. So, so interesting. Because I feel like I find the supernatural, that's just like the most umbrella term for what I'm fascinated in is the stuff that is not yet explainable or just like you can't really see it. It's intangible. You can't hold it and maybe you can't prove it scientifically, but you feel it. And once you feel something or you see like an apparition or for me, I've seen like lights in the sky, like I've seen it. I can't really explain it. When I try to, I'm aware that it sounds crazy as all hell, (laughs) but I saw it. So it's real. Yeah, I, I think I think we can probably deal with these things scientifically. That's the interesting thing. I tend to I tend to be quite drawn to the science and I wanna I wanna do out-of-body experiences and explore ghosts and um apparitions and all those kinds of things in the context of science and then kind of maybe one day we'll kind of see those things as normal really. I think so too. And that's like why I, I love science, love science. So well, something that you're an expert at out-of-body experiences, what is an out-of-body experience? Okay. So an out-of-body experience from my perspective is probably when your consciousness or you could call it a spirit or something like that. It just depends on how you look at it. But I think it's when your consciousness experiences the world from a vantage point or a place away from your physical body. So it's literally like, I feel like me, everything about me is normal, but I might be floating above myself, looking back at my body. Like my very first experience, I was maybe six feet above my body, looking back at myself. Um, But the me that was floating felt like the real me and I looked back at myself and I saw my body laying there and it was like looking at a photograph it it was it looked like me everything about it was kind of me but then at the same time it didn't feel like that was the real me it felt like the one floating was the real me so that's kind of what it's like it's literally like your sense of self everything that you identify as you is not associated with your body it's at another location so you can travel anywhere in the world theoretically it doesn't always work out quite like that but you can go to different locations all around the world and you can even go into other levels of reality basically so it's it allows you to directly experience and explore what it is to be a spiritual being or what the spiritual actually means or the supernatural actually means you can have direct experience of it so that's what i see it as okay so when you're the first time this happened how old were you the first time it ever happened was a spontaneous experience when i was 12 um and that one only lasted a few seconds and i found myself maybe half a mile from where i lived and I was just above the ground. I wasn't asleep when it happened or anything like that. I was just relaxing. And suddenly it was like a click. And I found myself at this other location floating above the ground, basically like a kind of living ghost. I was just floating there um, in the middle of the street. 
was kind of like, what the hell is happening? And then it kind of ended almost as quickly as it started. But then I heard that there was this thing called out-of-body experiences about a year later. And that was when I learned to do it, I kind of devoted myself to it. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. In my mind, which I've never experienced this, but I think I've had like, I've had some weird feelings like that. It's usually like right when I'm falling asleep or meditating where I feel very much like, this is not a very glamorous way to put it, but this is just how I saw it. Like our body, like our skin is like the housing for the like cosmos that live inside of us, like the spirit. And so it's kind of gross, but this is like what I have deduced non-scientifically but it's like the sausage casing but instead of sausage inside it's my soul does that make sense that's a good way of putting it yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> but like the soul that's inside this theoretical spiritual sausage <laughs> that's floating <laughs> to me that's like who you really are and then like 
I feel like having actually like your spirit and your body come together, that's like being present in this life on this plane. But I have a lot of times where I will like look in the mirror and be like, oh shit, I forgot that's what your your housing looks like. Like I'll totally forget what I look like until I see a mirror and I'm like, oh, whoa. So I very much like understand the spirit being a separate entity than the body, but Mm. having them be in two separate locations is something I've never experienced. So like when that happened to you, were you thinking about this place? Did you like this street or you just showed up on a street floating just on it, some it random was street. near to where I went to school. So I think that probably the reason I went there was because it was somewhere kind of familiar to me, somewhere that I sort of knew well, um, and maybe I had an emotional connection to it. I think often where you go in the out-of-body experiences is to do with how emotionally linked you are to that place. Sometimes, not always, but I think the majority of the times, that's kind of how it happens. So in that first experience, I went there probably because it was familiar to me and known to me and and that kind of thing. Um, and did it freak you out? It did freak me out. Yeah, I didn't know, not, not hugely, because I guess um, rewinding a bit when I was about five and early in my life, I had apparition experiences and things like that. So I'd had other... Oh my God, tell me about that. Go on. <laughs> you can't just like... Pass over that. Okay, go. Um, Okay, well, that was basically the first paranormal, supernatural thing that ever happened. I was five years old, I or around that age. I basically woke up in the night, went into the hallway of the flat that I grew up in, um, and basically in the hallway there was this tall figure. It filled the entire kind of height of the doorway that kind of led out of the flat um it looked quite inhuman in a sense it was humanoid but it had uh, it's really hard to kind of describe it it was just very otherworldly it kind of almost I guess now I would probably say something almost like a shaman or shamanic something like that kind of almost like it was wearing a kind of costume or something of that description um and I just sort of looked at it and that really terrified me obviously I'd never seen anything like it I remember going down onto the ground because it sort of gave me some solidity and then I turned around to try and sort of call out to my parents um but I was too scared I couldn't make any sound basically and then I looked back and it was still there it hadn't disappeared or anything and it just And then kind of around it, there seemed to be almost like a suggestion that it was like standing on a threshold. It was almost like there was an opening to some other reality or something behind it. So it was a really crazy experience. I don't know how how else to put it and terrified Did you want to go? No, no, I was terrified. Did you want to go into this other realm? Because I would, well, maybe not at five, (laughs) but like today I'd be like, let's go. Let's go into there. But I guess at five years old, I probably wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, at five, I was just scared. But but then when the out-of-body experiences happened, it was something that I really wanted to explore. So that's when I got hold of a book on the subject. And then I literally, I decided to dedicate a year because I read that it took a long time to learn often. So I decided to dedicate a year to systematically learning to have um, have those experiences. So it actually took me six months, but I, 
I practiced every single night for that whole period. So I don't know where that dedication came from. This is like 13 and a half, 14. So, but I just really wanted to do it. Okay. I have so many questions. Okay. So the first time it happened, kind of freaky, quick, but then you were like, I want to go into this. I want to learn how to do it and dive into it. Yeah. How does, how do you begin to teach yourself to have an out-of-body experience? Like, do you train yourself? Is it like, like training a muscle? Is it like vocal training? Like how do you just have to practice? You just have to, it's, it's kind of like self-hypnosis, I guess. What, what I did was I went and I found a book on the subject, but the only book I could find was quite scientific. So it was more saying, are these experiences real? That was more where it was coming from. But in the back of the book, it had a few really simple techniques. The technique was just that you imagined you were floating on a cloud, basically, and you had to keep imagining okay. that. And the idea was that eventually it would sort of trigger your unconscious mind to realize that that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to have an outward experience. Luckily we have much better techniques than that now, but at the time that was all I had. So I worked with this technique over and over, did it every single night. Um, and then eventually, yeah, it led to this. Uh, I was almost at the point of giving up actually. I was kind of like, this isn't, this isn't working. This is kind of like, I've been doing this for months it's, there's no point. It's not going to work. I was sort of really disillusioned with it. And then, so I sort of let go and I, I wasn't sort of tensing up. I wasn't sort of trying to make it happen anymore. I just sort of let go. And when I let go, it just, like this huge energy went through me, which was a very positive energy. It felt very good. It was like a kind of just huge release of tension and stress and everything. It was just all kind of surged through me. And then I just, that was when I found myself above my body looking at the, what looked like a photograph of myself. It was very still and kind of didn't seem alive in a sense. Whereas the me that was outside of my body felt full of energy. It was almost like there was energy radiating off my body. The whole room was kind of lit up from the energy. Um, and I, I couldn't move very much. I was quite limited in that first experience. It was almost like I could only rotate kind of, sort of like that but um but at the same time I just felt completely alive and completely energized and then I came back to my body and I was just yeah from that point on it was like the floodgates opened and I was like oh my god could do it uh, pretty much whenever I wanted then like you could do it not gonna ask you to but like if you wanted to you could like go and do that like after we have a chat you can go have an out-of-body experience well there's I tend to I tend to say when the conditions are right. So if you if you think about um, something like being creative, for example, when you know when when you feel like you can do artwork or do something like that and you just feel like you're in that right head space kind of thing. I tend yeah. to think it's similar to like being in the zone, you know. Um, so yeah. So, yeah, if I'm in the right kind of condition and everything feels right, then, yeah, I can do it. But sometimes you just, you know, like with anything, you don't feel quite right and it doesn't doesn't yeah. work. But, but yeah, most of the time when it's kind of feeling right, if I force it, if I try sort of too hard, then the quality of the experience will be quite low quality. But if I allow it, yes. then it's better. 
I think that's true in just life in general. Yeah. I've started approaching life in general, exactly what you just said, where you stop trying. Like, I do believe that hard work and practicing something can help develop a skill. But I do think when you try to force something that's just unforceable, like an experience like that, or even making like a really like for me as making a song that's like really emotional, like I can sit there and try all day, but you never know when it's going to come. It almost comes when you stop trying so damn hard, which is so hard to stop trying when you're like, no, but I've tasted the magic. I want to have it, but you have to. So I've started looking at life like it's like a wild tiger and I'm a cat lover. I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but in my mind, it's like, you have to like, you can't be thirsty for the magic. Like if they're going to interact with you, whatever it is, like the universe, God energy, the wild tiger, whatever it is, you can't like want it too bad because I feel like when you want something too bad, that energy repels whatever it is that you want so badly. And like you said, when you have to like kind of let go of it and just allow it to happen, that's when the really magical stuff happens. I think, in my opinion. I agree. And I think that's actually one of the key secrets with our body experiences. I think if someone's trying to learn, they need to maintain a kind of positive mental attitude. They need to be really kind of excited look at it like they're exploring and trying to you know discover something new and keep that kind of openness and that excitement and if they do that then the experience will unfold quite naturally but um what unfortunately what most people do is they tend to kind of get this idea of like the word projection I did it myself I had this idea that it was all about willpower and projection and you know I had to kind of make it happen kind of thing and I think that's completely the wrong way to think about it so when I let go of that that's when the experiences really started happening so now I tend to allow the experiences to happen when everything feels really right and good and I'll just see where it goes. So I, I kind of go with the flow a lot more now. I love that. I'm writing down, just allow it, <laughs> allowing. I feel like that's like the name of the game of my life right now. I'm just, every time I don't know what I'm doing or what to do, I'm just like, I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. I'm going to like sit back. I'm going to allow it to play out, but have like a super open heart. Which yeah. also leads me to f- being super fucking gullible, but <laughs> trying to like find those boundaries in my life. But I, yeah, allowing it to happen, which I'm such a control freak, psycho, like OCD, ADHD, you name it. I'm just like have so much wild energy. So just like sitting back and allowing things to happen does not necessarily come naturally to me. Like I like to like get shit done and like well, I think, do it. I think the thing is, I think you can explore all these things and explore all these avenues of how life and these kinds of experiences, where they take you. Um, but I think it's just being open to letting them take you somewhere. So you're being active in that sense, but you're not trying to say, I have to go down this avenue or I have to do this particular thing. You're kind of allowing the experience to 
kind of take you in a particular direction. To give an example, in my early out-of-body experiences, I was often trying to, I had this idea that I needed to perfect everything. So I needed to be able to move and control every movement that I made and be completely in control of the experience. And so actually just going across the room in a straight line was really difficult. There's People tend to experience, they often call them astral tides. So it's almost like this energy that kind of moves through the space. And as you're trying to move, it can kind of make you drift in, the, in a different direction or something like that. And I, I would try to go against that. I would try and go against the grain and try to say, no, I want to go from here to there. And, and doing that actually led me to waste a lot of amazing experiences. If I'd actually let myself go with that tide or go with that energy and just see where I go, then it probably would have materialized into an amazing experience. But I was too caught up in controlling it that I was kind of missing the forest for the trees a little bit in those oh my God. in those early days. But then I just started allowing the experiences to unfold. And then I would find myself, I don't know, in Cuba or like, you know, complete all different parts of the world or or even in like these other levels of reality, they seem to be, you know, like um, beautiful natural environments that very much like what people describe in sort of heavenly type things. And then, you know, all, all different kinds of experiences and situations where I would seem to see something from the past or see something from the future, these kinds of things. So the, the experience is just completely open to so many possibilities, really. So do you think it's almost like a little bit of time travel because time is relative, a little like interdimensional, just like I'm trying to wrap my brain around it because this is something I really have no experience with. But it just kind of sounds like when you let go of your physical constraint of your body, you can kind of go anywhere, but you have to ride the astral tide. I'm writing that down too. Mm. That's going in a song. <laughs> I've never heard that before, and I love it. These are all going to be like tattooed on my foot, and like Um, I have a song, so (laughs) it's very inspiring. But so, like, have you ever been to Cuba in your body, or just out of body? No, see that. Yeah, see that. um, Actually, that experience I was thinking of was connected to someone who was very close to my family, who was from Cuba um and she died and quite soon after she died it was literally the last thing I'd written in my diary I had an out-of-body experience and I went to Cuba um I worked out it was Cuba because of the the way it looked from above and like all you know the the coastal imagery and all of that kind of thing and I worked out where I was and I was thinking why have I been drawn to Cuba but then I opened my diary um, which I, I've kept a diary since I was 14 of most of my experiences. Um, so I started, I, I opened it to write this experience down and there was the entry about the death of the family friend. And then I realised, ah, oh, she was born in Cuba and, and, and suddenly it all kind of made sense that it was almost like, um, it was almost like a connection with her or a, some kind of uh, message from her, if you like, or something like that. So interesting yeah is there a world where it's like because i've done some hypnosis before but never reached what you're talking about but is there science that backs 
out of body experience? I just like have no idea. Well, actually, that's something I'm really passionate about as well. Um, there is, there are some researchers who have done work in the past. Um, there was a guy called Alex Tanis who did research in the sort of eighties and and uh, with um, a researcher called Carlos Osis from Latvia. And they they did experiments where they tried to sort of he would try to go and see targets and things like that. And then there's a, a researcher in Italy at the moment um, called Patrizio Trisoldi, who is doing research, same kind of thing, looking at seeing targets and things like that. And then the Rhine Research Center, I've done research with them looking at trying to again, trying to see targets and things like that at a distance so we did like about 14 weeks of different targets and oh, things wow. and then I would try to have an experience or I tried different techniques not just out-of-body experiences I tried remote viewing I tried different methodologies I used sensory deprivation mild sensory deprivation all different like things the tanks um, I have used tanks um, in that particular instance I used Gansfeld which is uh where you wear kind of headphones that play white noise or pink noise. Yeah. And then you have kind of ping pong balls over your eyes, like half ping pong balls. Oh, yeah. So the, and then you have a red light in your eyes. The reason for this is it, um, the red light makes your pupils dilate, but then you can only okay. see this uniform red glow because of the, the dome over your eyes. Yeah. And then what happens is your brain starts looking for information. So you start getting psychic information coming in. Um, so it's a way that you can take a very ordinary person off the street and give them a mild psychic experience. So they've used it in a lot of research. So that's really interesting to me. So if you take the average person, do you think every person has some sort of psychic ability? Yeah, basically. Yes, because I think so, too. The same way I think every person is an artist if they, like, allow themselves to explore the avenue. Mm. But I guess I would, A, wonder, like, what was produced by the, all of these things you did? Well, it, it shows, it, it, what they do is they create a statistic on how accurate it was. And basically, yeah. the, the research shows that um, people who go into the laboratory, even an average person does about 6%, 6 to 8% above chance. So what, so if they were guessing, they would say get sort of 25%. If they, if they're doing the Gansfeld experiment with the sensory deprivation, they get about 33%. So they, they go up, but when you control for people like me or creative types, probably someone like you as well, um, people are, will do significantly higher than that. So it gets up to more like 70, 80% accuracy and things like that. Wow. So um, the thing I was doing, the remote perceptions um, with that, there's there's been incredible results with those kinds of studies. And, you know, I've also, I've also had witnessed out-of-body experiences where there were people present and then I had an out-of-body experience and then we were able to verify the information and things like that. So. Okay, wait, 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 hold on. So you're being watched while you have an out-of-body experience and being like studied? Th those experiences weren't so much the studying. The, the experiences, uh, 
that I did during that 14 week study, those were, those were all under controlled conditions. So it was all completely blind and I had to look at studies. And then I've done some research with Dean Radin at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which was literally like something out of a film. They put you in a still still box basically and kind of lock you in oh my God. um and that box is completely magnetically shielded so there's no frequencies or anything can go into that box and then i had to try and affect things on a quantum level so on the most minute level of like physical reality i had to try and influence uh quantum effects on on that kind of level what does that mean moving things or trying to like read what someone else is thinking moving things on a on a quantum level so have you heard of the double slit experiment oh my god no tell me about it please well it's a really interesting experiment because what they do is they they've got these two slits and they shoot photons particles of light through these slits um with a thing called an interferometer so it just sends these particles through and if someone looks observes the experiment you get dots on either side like their particles right if someone is not observing the experiment you get a wave pattern so basically the act of someone looking at it seems to change reality on a quantum level okay um this is kind of what some people believe is going on that there's literally that we're like when we interact with reality reality changes um so what the experiment Dean Radin was doing was he was wondering if this could happen on a psychic level. So could I affect reality on a quantum level, on that really minute level of reality? So could I cause a change in this like wave or particle pattern that you get? So basically, um, I was in this box and I had to try and cause the, the particles to deviate from how they were usually functioning. And then he looked at the data statistically and would say, okay, yes, it worked or yes, it didn't work. So he found that overall with those experiments that it does work and that basically people can affect things on a quantum level with their psychic ability, basically. So is that psychic ability or do you think that's just energy? Because if you take it to like physics, right? We're all energy. We all have energy. So this might not make any sense. I'm really visual, but there's sound waves, right? So I make sound as a job. So I see the sound waves. So I'm kind of imagining the light wave in a similar sense, like if it's going like this. So with mm. your mind, you made it kind of change direction Yeah, is what you're saying? Yeah. Does that make sense to me? Because even just having a positive attitude or being kind to someone, I feel like can change energetically your mood and also the mood of someone else. So it only makes sense that it's part of physics to me, like the energy that you're putting out would affect the things that are surrounding you, including sound waves, light waves. All of that sounds like it makes perfect sense to me. But I mean, is that far out? Uh, What a lot of the scientists would say is that they don't divide all these things up. I think a lot of the scientists are starting to think that consciousness might be a fundamental aspect of reality, that our, our minds and our experience of the world might be as much a part of reality as light or sound or any of those things that literally, um, 
some of the near-death experience researchers think that as we um when we have a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience or um or when we die even um that essentially it's like the filters taken off suddenly we're able to experience reality for the full spectrum of what it is um but while we're alive we're kind of almost our brains are almost filtering it out so there's yeah there's so much possibility for what could be going on really i know it trips me out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where to start with it <laughs> and then i'm like and then i'm stuck in my little sausage casing body and i forget and then i'm like oh yeah you have a you're like you're a woman <laughs> you have freckles you're blonde like things like that i'll totally forget until i see a mirror but that's neither here nor there i wanted to ask you about um Okay, with, with the out-of-body experiences, is there like a place you're trying, is there like a goal? Like you're like, I want to go into like the ether, I want to go to the moon, or you just are open to wherever it's going to take you? In the early like experiences? Yeah, in the early experiences, I was more focused on a particular place that I wanted to go. But then I guess um, a bit like what we were saying about intuition and, and guidance and sort of trusting things. Um, I started to find that when I allowed the experience to unfold, more interesting things would happen or more challenging things, um, you know. So I've generally just allowed the experience to unfold as it does. I mean, um, sometimes I will decide on trying to get to a particular location like one of the experiments that I was doing with the Institute of Noetic Sciences was I tried to go to their laboratory in an out-of-body experience and influence the the experiment there from the UK so I went there physically when I did the actual experiments but then afterwards I tried to go back in an out-of-body experience and influence it from the other side of the world so um, I don't know the results. How did that work? I don't know the results of that yet, but that was something that I tried to do. So, <laughs> Well, then it's like, then I'm like, you're basically a living ghost. Yeah. So then it like rises. I mean, then the question arises like, well, are ghosts necessarily dead people? Or Not could it necessarily, just be someone... no. Because people have seen me and people see people while out of body as well, usually in the form of a kind of shadow figure. That's the most common. So it will literally be like a figure that looks like a shadow that's kind of moving around on its own, that kind of thing. Interesting. So when you were a kid, that maybe was like what you thought was a ghost or the apparition could have actually just been it's possible Some sort of outer, possible, yeah. outer body experience it's possible could have been your gateway it didn't look like a shadow it didn't have that quality um but then again some people have also not seen me but some people have seen someone having an out-of-body experience and seen them exactly as they look in real life so even down to being accurate about the clothes that that person had on on that particular day which is really strange because okay. that kind of then you've got the thing that they were wearing clothes. So they've had an out-of-body experience, gone to a different location. Weird. And their clothes yeah. are... So it kind of suggests that maybe they're projecting some kind of image of themselves, you know, how they usually look, as well as, you know, whatever else is going. So sometimes it's 
nondescript, like a shadow, but other times it's like a full image, including like clothes and details of their appearance and all of that. So that's so interesting because I'm so, I have so many ridiculous items of clothing. <laughs> and I just wonder what. I like to think that when I pass away, when I die, I either turn into a mushroom or if I'm like, go to this ether place, I wonder what I'll be wearing. Like, I kind of hope I'll be like naked with a sparkly cape on with just covered in glitter. And I think I'll be turquoise. And I don't know. I just wonder, I'm hoping, basically I'm asking you, you are confirming that that's probably what I'll look like in the afterlife. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. That's all I needed to know. (laughs) I know because I was reading something you had said about how you, you were having an out-of-body experience and you think maybe saw from a distance people that were like in transition between life and death. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had, um, they they tend to call it a shared death experience now where you literally see the kind of death experience of someone else um so in that in that experience so that's an example of kind of amazing stuff that if you don't force the experience in any direction um that can happen so i found myself it was quite classical about sort of a laughter life kind of type of environment it was very misty kind of cloudy it looked you know, literally like bellowing cloud. Um, there was no up, no down. You couldn't really see any surface or or sky, or it was just all this kind of misty environment. And at around sort of about 100, 200 meters from where I was um, is the best estimate I can give. There was a group of people and they all seemed um, not stressed, but confused. They all seemed like they didn't know what was happening, where they were, what was going on. Um, And as they sort of settled into the experience, as they started to feel more in tune with what was going on, um, some of them, it was literally like I was seeing their thoughts. It was like this sort of um, almost like a screen opened up around some of their heads. um, And I could see memories thoughts perceptions of there was one guy in the foreground like the closest to me um he was sort of an older guy um he seemed to be struggling and i saw in the imagery of in his mind this uh man who had very like leathery sort of skin very dark tan he looked like he'd worked outside his whole life very very kind of looked like he'd been beaten by the sun for, for years kind of thing. Um, and I kind of interpreted this as probably his father. And he was kind of seen, there seemed to be tension between him and his father. And he was struggling with this uh, tension. Um, and slowly it was kind of seemed to be getting resolved. Um, but he was he was struggling. And then I looked across the group and then there was, I think it was a woman on the far side of the group and she was the complete opposite. She seemed to be really open and light and she wasn't stressed by any of the situation. Um, and she just uh, basically just drifted off into, into the sort of mist. And it was like, it was like she transitioned. She just went from one level to another, like quite smoothly and easily. So 
within the group there were different levels of intensity of the process they were going through so it was literally like what they call a life review in near-death experience research so they were going through this process and then they drifted away so after this experience it was in the morning I came back from the out-of-body experience and I was kind of like this felt so real this was so like a peak experience I tend to call them like something that's like beyond anything I normally experience. And I remember, I think it was on the TV later that day, there was a, a news report that basically said there'd been a plane crash in Norway um, on an island off of Norway called Svalbard. And 140 people had died in that crash, which was exactly the like the number that I'd seen. And most of them were a U- Ukrainian or Russian kind of descent which is also what yeah. they looked like to me in the experience. So it was like I got a confirmation in physical reality that what I'd seen in that experience was a real experience, basically. That's so interesting to me because, like, for all the reasons, but I guess witnessing the crossing over of other souls, I have, like, so many questions. First of all, when you're doing this, do you have like feet and hands? And like, are you like, do you look like a person? Or are you more just like, feel like a ball of energy? Um, that that depends. Um, sometimes I have a body, but more commonly now, I'm more like a ball of energy. Um, but in the early, it's, it's interesting. I think that in our early experiences, we tend to think of ourselves kind of like, um, as a body, as a person. So you tend to experience yeah. yourself as a as a body. But I think as the process goes on, as you become more familiar with being in an out-of-body experience, it tends to sort of shift and you start to experience more as a kind of an orb or or something like that, which I've also had an orb so experience. So that's another thing. Okay, wait, what's the, okay, wait. Hold on. So you te- you tend to be more of an orb and you've had an orb experience. I'm going to circle back to that in one second. Okay. But the plane crash, the people, they still like look like people, like fully clothed in the whole thing. Yeah, so, they did. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now the orb experience, because I've also heard that I was talking to Demi Lovato and she was talking about kind of um, experiencing like through meditation extraterrestrial contact and she was showing me photos of these blue and green um golden i personally saw ones that were like orange fire colored like these orbs and so i want to know like a it could be extraterrestrial we could all be talking about the same thing and b what's your orb experience well i agree i don't know what it was um but I was meditating with a friend of mine who's a musician, actually. We were, we were sitting meditating and just kind of very calm, had sort of a very peaceful music on. We were sitting there and suddenly at the top of the kind of where the ceiling and the um, wall meet, this kind of ball of energy just moved through the wall um, at the at that level and it was about the size of a basketball and it and it drifted down slowly in front of us and stopped at kind of like our eye level between me and him 
um, I looked at him and he kind of gestured to me that, yeah, he was also seeing this. Um, and we just, we looked at it and it seemed to just radiate this energy. It was green, like opaque green. Um, and it was just radiating a very positive energy. It was like a kind of love energy even. Um, it was just really, we just felt incredible kind of sitting there and we just kind of watched it and then it stayed there for quite a while, like maybe as long as 10 minutes or something like that. Um, and we were just fixated on it and um, we almost felt like we were communicating with it, but on a sort of a, an emotional level. Um, yeah. And then it drifted away. I don't remember exactly, but it kind of drifted away. So yeah, that was my experience with a, or, but I, I don't know what it was. I put it down to being a spirit because that was my yeah. reference, if you like, my filter. But, you know, you could easily also interpret that in a, as a kind of alien or I don't know. Extraterrestrial. It could be a spirit that's passed on. It could be somebody else astral projecting or having an out-of-body experience. Could have been. It's so crazy. There's so many, there's so many possibilities. And... I feel like usually when I talk to a large majority of people about this kind of stuff, they like giggle and I mean, not to generalize, but just going to like most of the men I have dated, like cisgendered white straight men, like laugh at me when I talk about this stuff. So I, I was like, is it because I'm an artist? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I have always have had this like really strange relationship with my body where it just felt like it wasn't mine since I remember having a body? I was like, oh, this is my vehicle, so to say, for this lifetime, for my soul. But it's so nice to have this conversation because I do feel like leading a somewhat spiritual existence has made my life so much happier and more positive and better and also be able to weed out like what's actually good for not only myself but other people on the planet i agree and i think i think um what you just said about men i think there is really a a kind of it's to do with this kind of role of masculinity and how people are supposed to be in society and i think often men do get caught up in this thing that they should not engage with those kinds of things they should sort of because they're not um you know they're too woo woo or they're too emotional which is, you know, yeah. things like that. So I think I think there's a degree of sort of toxic masculinity in those kind of ways of approaching things, which is really unfortunate, I think, because uh, you get the same thing with, uh, you know, things like veganism and stuff like that. You know, people get very, you know, because I, I, I'm also vegan and I kind of see that a part of my spiritual sort of identity yeah. as well. And I feel it's a shame that, a lot of these sort of masculine viewpoints kind of stop people doing better things in their lives, basically. It's so true because of some sort of societal system that makes no sense. Yeah. Yet we all kind of conform and adhere to it until you hit a certain point, which I feel like has happened really over time for me at least. But where I started being like, wait, why am I even doing that? I don't stand for that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to wear that. I don't want to say that. But it just like seemed like it was part of what I was supposed to behave like. And I think for, Mm. you know, 
some a lot of men that I've met, these conversations just like they just dip out. They're like, no, I'm good. So I like love having this conversation with you. It's great because I, I do think there's an element of the masculinity that's supposed to be non-emotional. And I feel like as such an emotional creature, I could do for being less emotional. But there's so many men I see that I just want to be like, it's okay to cry. Like maybe the world will be like, like less aggressive if everybody was just a little bit more emotionally open and felt safe doing that. Yeah, I, I think I think conformity is a big problem in general. You know, I think that yeah. I think that without body experiences and all these things, they took me away from maybe a lot of that need to be a particular way in my life. So I think yeah. having those experiences made me think, no, I'm going to walk my own path. I'm not going to sort of follow this herd mentality that a lot of people get sucked into and just sort of explore what it is to be human and what all these experiences mean and all these kinds of things. So I just was exploring all these different areas that maybe a lot of mainstream society rejects from the age of like 14 or whatever. So That's I love that. I wish I'd been more into spiritual stuff when I was that age. I was just into like trying to make out with like senior boys. <laughs> and I was playing the saxophone in the marching band. It was not cool. It was I was not having out of body experiences. I wish I was. <laughs> I feel like you got like a head start onto deeper cool shit. So you have a course on how to like do this. Yeah. Do you teach people at it? Oh my God. I'm gonna <laughs> do it. All right. How do I sign up for it? I have an online course and I do private tuition. So I I love teaching people. I think it's like so fulfilling to kind of give people that kind of experience and, you know, see where they can go with it. I've also got technology that I developed, which is sound technology um, that helps get you to the vibrational state, which is the pre-state to the out-of-body experience. It's like the launching pad. So if you can get to that point, then it's much easier to have an out-of-body experience. So I developed that as well. So so what is that? It's, it's called like music? infraliminal sound. So the infra part means infrasound. So it's very low-level sound frequencies that cause a, a, a mild shift in, in your sort of conscious state. And then it's also got subliminal uh, messages to sort of help you tune into the out-of-body experience so it's kind of a combination of those two things so um and it uses the frequencies to kind of guide you into that pre-state of the out-of-body experience basically what are the okay when i hear when i think of subliminal messages i can't help but think like oh that sounds like manipulative unless i know what it is so what are you saying like, what's the subliminal messaging? <laughs> just to have an out-of-body experience. It's, it's just literally to, because um, I think a lot of the process of inducing an out-of-body experience is getting the message to your unconscious mind. Because I think what tends to happen is we lay there trying to induce an out-of-body experience, but sort of our conscious mind doesn't quite get what's going on. It, you can't sort of fully induce it just from a conscious state. So you have to get it into your unconscious in order to trigger the experience. So the subliminals help so with that. Um, so you can also do it from a sleep state as well, but there's two different versions. Are you like whisper talking in the background, like saying things? <laughs> or 
Um, the frequencies are. The, I'll just have to listen to. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't hear anything. The main thing is the frequencies, um, but then there's there's just these subtle sort of affirmations, call them affirmations, um, that are layered into the frequencies. But the main thing, what we did is we did, we experimented with ways of um, altering consciousness using frequencies. So when you listen to music or you listen to sound. We all know there's an emotional change or there's a, a change yeah. in how we feel when we do that. So basically, I experimented with, okay, if we put this kind of frequency, how does that make the person feel? Do they feel better? Do they feel more peaceful? You know, what? how does that frequency affect people? So we went through and basically created a pattern of frequencies that will help you get if you follow them like almost like a meditation you go with the sound frequencies yeah. it's almost like a mantra or something like that but in a recording so a mantra or like the sound that you hear when when you hear like buddhist monks or something like that they're using yeah. sound to get their consciousness to a particular point and basically i've kind of distilled that into frequencies in a in a recording so you can listen to that and it will guide you to that point um, and then if you combine that with the techniques, then it's much easier to have an out-of-body experience. So it makes it more like a couple of months of work rather than six months or whatever. So, Wait, I really want to do it. Okay, just for myself but and everybody listening, how would they sign up for that? Do you have a website? Yep, or? they can go to grahamnichols.com, which is Nichols with two L's. Um, and yeah, they can get everything there. The infraliminal tracks are on there, or they can get the course and there's kind of packages where you get the course with the infraliminal and they can even get the course, the infraliminal, and I'll, uh, answer their questions as a one-on-one -on -one option as well. So they oh, can so have cool. the whole thing. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I mean, I'm going to try it. Fuck it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Um, I wanted to ask you about, because I was reading something you had written about the importance of solitude. And as someone who is never by themselves ever, like ever, like even when I go pee, I'll have someone following me, asking me a question about something, never alone. <laughs> And I like being around people. Like I'm just always around a fuck ton of people. I, maybe I'm used to it. Maybe I'm codependent. Maybe I don't know what it is. But so what do you think is so important about being alone? Um, I'm not sure it's important for everyone, but I think it can be a really powerful way to connect with those inner experiences and listen to the the kind of levels of your awareness and your consciousness that maybe you don't hear if you're kind of constantly around chatter and other people a lot like you do with meditation and things like that so um i tend to like to go off into nature and kind of connect with nature and just spend some time on my own and it's almost a bit of a shamanic thing and a little bit um i also uh, was initiated and part of like witchcraft when I was quite young so that was also interconnected with all this so um I've sort of kept wait Kit, what do you mean 
Um, You're initiated into witchcraft. You have to tell me what that means. Well, when I was 14 and I was getting into all this stuff, um, I guess when I was looking into out-of-body experiences and astral projection and all that stuff, I came across witchcraft and things like that as well. So I I found a coven um, who did a blend of Alexandrian Wicca and also um, traditional English witchcraft is how they referred to it. So I got involved with them and I got initiated with them. And so I learned a lot of processes for sort of connecting with nature and going out into nature and doing trance work and things like that out in nature. So I guess that's more the more like using the body and being very physical and being out in, in, in amongst the woods or whatever, and kind of just connecting in that kind of way. So, um, I'm very, I'm very kind of explore any avenue that I think has value and that will work and be useful and interesting. So I've just always been open to all those things. So, yeah. Me too. I love it. And I love, like I'll go on tour and be playing shows with, tons of energy and tons of people and just like wild, wild energy. And then my like come down off of that is I like to go into the middle of nowhere and camp and like, just like be around absolutely no one. Or I love scuba diving. Cause I feel like it's the only time I ever get to really be alone. Okay. So you do, when I'm under you do the spend ocean. time on your own then. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to put on a fucking tank and go under the ocean for people not to bother well, me. Well, the camping sounds similar to what I do. I often go off uh, into the woods and all that kind of stuff. So and do camping and yeah, I, I find, I find that I like to do that at least once a year or something where I can just sort of connect. And, and often I find yeah. that my experiences with the out of body stuff will get better if I do that. So it gives me, that extra kind of boost if I do something like that. The sensory deprivation, like you were talking about the tanks earlier, something like that as well. I I think it's just that being in that total stillness and being completely kind of um, away from any kind of imagery and sound and all that kind of stuff and just having that period um, just allows your it's like a reset it allows your consciousness and your experience to just reset. And then you can just, um, when you try to do something after that it just tends to flow and be so much better. Um, that's how I see it. But do you ever have the problem of like your brain just being like, that's how I would describe my brain. My brain is quite like that. So I think I need those <laughs> things to kind of, <laughs> to kind of tune it out, you know? Um, I, I definitely am more of a constantly coming up with ideas and constantly exploring new areas and constantly learning, you know, I'm just nonstop with that. So I think that these kind of practices allow me to maybe turn that off a little bit and to kind of reconnect with something else. I call myself a spiritual explorer. And then somebody once in an interview called me a nature punk, which is like my favorite thing ever. I was like, I feel like I'm being seen for who I truly am. But I don't know. I just feel like you have a kindred spirit in those regions. Sounds like. And creative. (laughs) But okay, I have one more question because I know we're like about out of time. But I have one question just because I don't quite understand. What is the difference between 
astral projection and an out of body experience or can are they can can they be the same thing are they two separate things i i guess what most people the, the way most people divide the two is to say that um astral projection is an intentional out of body experience so okay. you could have an out of body experience spontaneously like i did when i was a kid you can just sort of lay down and um it might happen or you know people have them in all different contexts and situations so um an out-of-body experience is like i mentioned that thing of that you feel yourself out of your physical body and you experience the world from that out-of-body vantage point so that's what it feels like um but astral projection is the the process of trying to make that happen in an intentional way and i guess the term astral projection also comes from more like esoteric writings so out of body is more like the scientific modern term um whereas astral projection is more the classical going back into hermetic traditions and philosophy and all these esoteric ideas from the past they used to use that kind of context and in in those ideas you have multiple bodies um in that philosophy so mm. they say an etheric body which is operates on this plane on the physical plane and then the astral body operates on the astral plane and then there's more after that i don't really subscribe to all that but that's where the term astral comes from it literally comes from from astra like meaning like like a star so um it literally means like star projection or as you know <laughs> like a being like a star <laughs> making yourself like a star i guess um so yeah that's that's really the difference but i i've started using um independent consciousness experience as well that's my new sort of term which is basically because then it doesn't focus so much on the idea of a body it's more like i can experience myself my consciousness independent and kind of out there in the world functioning in its own way so it's kind of a bit different to this thing that just focuses on sort of coming out of the body you know because often people yeah sort of get fixated on this idea of being above their body looking back at themselves let lying below right. and i think what's most interesting about our body experiences is this when your consciousness expands and you experience like an interconnectedness with all of life and reality if you like so it's kind of when you just don't know what you're going to learn and what you're going to experience i think that's the most fascinating part about it in many ways you're not so focused on the separation of spirit and body you're yeah. just open to expansion of consciousness i guess yeah because at the end of the day i think no one really wants to just come out of their body just so they can look at themselves laying on their bed um that's no not, that sounds terrifying yeah that's not that's not really what most people are interested in most people i think are interested in experiencing other levels of reality um you know asking those questions like about life after death um experiencing sort of interconnectedness with other life like other beings all those kinds of things you know asking those bigger questions i think so cool all right well i'm going to sign up <laughs> at graham nichols with two l's.com yes is that right <laughs> what's the name of your book <laughs> well the first 
my first book is called Avenues of the Human Spirit. Um, and that one explores all of my own kind of journey and all of that kind of thing, like um, including how it sort of spiritually changed me and all that kind of stuff, coming from a very sort of working class background and, you know, very sort of ordinary kind of outlook on life and how that shifted. And then uh, the second book, which is called Navigating the Out-of-Body Experience, that one, there's a sort of new edition coming out, but it's also available with my course. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Can I ask you really like a couple very stupid questions that are real dumb, but fun? Sure. I am ready. If you hate one, you can be like, I don't want to answer. Okay. If you had a cult, what would be the dress code? <laughs> Nudity. Nudity. <laughs> I agree. Fully agree. Like, why did we, I have so many clothes, but like, I would like to have none except for maybe just one cape that just for fun, <laughs> for flair. Cape, capes could work. And <laughs> like just for pizzazz, you know, not for anything like to cover anything, just not out of necessity. If you were a ghost, which you might be a ghost when you're projecting yourself, 
all over the kind place. Of the living one, yeah. Yeah, which is a trip. But okay, so would you how would you haunt? And who would you haunt? Oh wow. Is there anybody you would want to haunt and just like fuck with? <laughs> um I think there's a lot of people. I'd probably like I probably would like uh I'd probably move around, like try some people there, let some people there, just move around the world, like checking out uh checking out what's really going on behind the scenes, check out what's uh what the the secret secrets of the world really come down to. The Vatican would be interesting, I think. Ooh. What they're really up to behind yeah. the scenes, I reckon, would be interesting. Yes. <laughs> behind like politics and major religions. I just want to go see what's up. Well, thank you so much, Graham Nichols, for being here. Thank you everybody for listening and keep on creeping on. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.